1: by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. We Americans value security, but we also treasure our independence. We like to be self-reliant. That's why the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States has five million policy-holding members. The Equitable Way promotes personal security without jeopardizing personal freedom. In about 11 minutes, we would like to tell you how these Equitable Society life insurance specialists from Maine to California may be able to help you enjoy the advantages of membership in the Equitable Society. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file... Fraudulent bankruptcy. Its title, Manhunt.
2: The Federal Bureau of Investigation is a carefully run organization operated along certain well defined lines of procedure. One of those precepts is that every unsolved case must be reported on at least once every 45 days. That means the search for a criminal is relentless. Another important point is that not a single fact, no matter how small, shall be overlooked in an investigation. Somewhere in every case, there is one element which prevents it from being the perfect crime. That element may be the lack of an alibi, It may be a fingerprint, a fad or foible of the suspect, or even such a tiny link as appeared in the case you are about to hear. A case which saw a man disappear, saw him vanish completely. Tonight's file opens in a large Midwestern city. It is late afternoon as a short, conservatively dressed man walks along Main Street... And enters the flower shop.
1: Can I help you, sir?
2: Uh, do you carry funeral wreaths?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, right this way, please. The
2: man looked at several and rejected each. He said they were too fancy. He wanted something simple and in good taste.
1: Perhaps this one.
2: Exactly, that's the one I want.
1: It's ten dollars.
0: Very well. I'd like it delivered to this address as quickly as possible. Madison Street? Near the river.
1: I have to be in that neighborhood in about an hour.
0: Oh, could I trouble
2: you to bring it? Surely. I'll be waiting out front for you. And uh, here's your money. With that, he turned, left the store, and walked leisurely to his car. Then drove off through the downtown traffic. A few minutes later, he reached his destination. A warehouse in the waterfront district. Over the entrance was a large sign. McDonald Donald Wholesale Grocery Company. The man entered and went to his office. In an hour, he returned to the street and waited.
1: Sorry I'm late, Mr. Cooper.
2: Oh, that's all right.
1: Here's your wreath. I'd have been on time, but I drove around the block twice looking for a funeral parlor to deliver this to.
0: No, it's for this front door. One of my oldest employees passed away.
2: And out of respect for the dead, I'm closing the warehouse for five days. The reef was then tacked to the door, for it had more of an effect than expected. For it was that reef which led to the investigation of one of the most brazen criminals in FBI history. A few days later, at the local FBI field office, Special Agent Jim Taylor was leaving his desk when Agent Bob Vernon called him.
0: Jim. Oh, hi, Bob. The SAC has a special assignment for me, and he asked me to turn over what I've been working on. What is it? A new fraudulent bankruptcy file. The McDonald Wholesale Grocery Company. When did they file a petition? Four days ago. You mean we're in on it already? Yeah. Go ahead, Bob. Thanks. I've done some checking and interviewing um a partner of mcdonald's named cooper hung a funeral wreath on the warehouse door the other day and closed the place for five days mm-hmm. the credit association was flooded with calls from the firms that the outfit owed money to so they got a court order to enter the warehouse this morning yeah it was empty One hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of stock was missing well you uh you've spoken to mcdonald's or cooper they're both out of town mm-hmm. together well the employees at the warehouse don't seem to know McDonald left on vacation three weeks ago, and Cooper took off after hanging the reef. But no one knew how to contact either man. Mm. Oh, there. and all of it are over there is coming down. Mm. What did the books look like? They're gone. So are all the files. Did you get any background on either man? McDonald's been in the business a long time; has an excellent reputation, or had one up to now. Mm. The older employees at the warehouse told me he was doing quite well until about a year ago. Well, what happened then? Oh, nothing serious. His credit rating was good, but he was pressed for cash. Along came Miss Cooper and bought in. Did you find out anything about him? He seemed to know his business, and bit by bit took over the reins from McDonald's. Mm. Going down? Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing to do is interview those partners. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs>
2: Agent Taylor quickly located Mr. McDonald, the original owner of the warehouse. He told about becoming a figurehead in his own business, with his new partner, Andrew Cooper, taking gradual control. Investigation proved that to be true. McDonald was clear. The search for Cooper was intensified. His former home was searched. His neighbors were interviewed. His business associates and acquaintances were questioned. It was learned he had a wife and a 23-year-old son. They had disappeared, too. Meanwhile, in another city a few hundred miles away, a short, conservatively dressed man enters a flower shop. Good morning, sir. Morning. Well, What can I show you? A floral piece. Mm -hmm. This way, please.
0: I'd like to charge them. My name is Kaiser. Here's my card. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I know the Bay City Grocery Company. You do? Oh, yes. My brother used to work in the stockroom there.
2: Well, small world.
0: Uh, Here we are, Mr. Kaiser.
2: Is this your uh, complete assortment?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, are there any particular flowers you'd like me to use? No, your judgment's good enough. Just uh, make it gay. This is for our opening. Finished with that special assignment. Oh, that's fine, Bob. Your bankruptcy file's still open. The SAC wants us to work together, so it's your turn to give me the fill in. Okay, fine. Well, the uh, strongest lead we had up to yesterday came from the freight records at the railroad station. Five carloads of goods were shipped from the McDonald warehouse to uh, Crystal City. When? A week before Cooper disappeared. Shipped to whom? A wholesale grocery firm. I went to Crystal City yesterday and hit another blank wall. company there had never ordered the goods, so they refused to accept shipment on them. What happened then? Well, the railroad notified Cooper, who showed up the following day and had all the goods loaded on the trucks. Any description of those trucks? No, none at all. And that's the last that anybody saw of the merchandise. Or Cooper, huh? Yeah, that's right. Oh, he had a uh, brokerage account at Hill & Jones. The account was quite active. Well, we might trace him through his dividend checks. No, he sold everything before leaving. No. But there's a chance that he'll open an account wherever he is now, so Washington teletyped his description to every field office. Asked them to check the stockbrokers in their areas. How about pictures, Jim? Well, apparently he was as careful there as he was about other details. There aren't any. Oh, uh, come on down to the teletop room, will you, Bob? Sure. Something might be in by now on that stockbroker angle.
2: That lead, like the others, petered out. The following week, the metal filing cabinets removed from the McDonald's Wholesale Grocery Company were discovered at a second-hand office supply store. They were empty. The owner had bought them from Cooper and paid by check. The check had been cashed at a local hotel. The hotel register showed Cooper had stayed there, but was gone. A month went by. Two months. A year. Cooper's neighbors were re-interviewed. His personal and business friends were questioned again. No one had heard from him. Then, one evening in Bay City, the door of a warehouse open, a wholesale grocery warehouse, and the short, conservatively dressed Andrew Cooper, alias Andrew Kaiser, stepped into the street. As he crossed the sidewalk to his car, he saw a policeman approaching.
0: Good evening, officer.
1: Oh, Mr. Kaiser.
2: Cooper walked to his car, got in, stepped on the starter, and drove off. Coleman Welch continued walking his beat. When he reached the corner, he walked to a green iron box on the lamppost, opened the door, and picked up a phone.
0: Welch calling in. No, not a thing, Sergeant. Yeah, that's right. Well, no news. Sergeant?
1: Sergeant, you still there? An explosion, a grocery warehouse. The front wall blew out. There's a fire starting. Tell them to send everything they've got.
0: you draw the Cooper file? Yeah, Jim. My turn to do the report. Well, I don't start it yet, huh? Why not? We just got a memo from the resident agent covering Bay City. On Cooper? No, on a fraudulent bankruptcy case. Um, here it is. A firm named the Bay City Grocery Company was owned by two partners, Mr. Allen and a Mr. Kaiser. Mr. Allen took sick about two months ago and had to start coming down to the office, leaving Mr. Kaiser to run the place. Mm-hmm. And three weeks ago, there was an explosion and fire at the firm's warehouse. The alarm was turned in immediately... Warehouse wasn't completely destroyed. I see. Inside the place were found open barrels of gasoline, but no groceries. Investigation showed the firm was an old-established company with good credit up to about two years ago when Mr. Kaiser bought in. Familiar pattern. Yeah. Even down to the detail of Mr. Kaiser now having left with destination unknown. His description tally with Cooper's? Yeah, in some ways, but it's as vague in general as the other one we had. Uh, This will help more, though. Mm -hmm. The warehouse receipt that Kaiser signed. Now, let's take a look at that letter that we have here of Cooper's, huh? Yeah, should be someplace down near the bottom. There we are. All right. You lay them down on the desk. Put the signatures together there. They look uh, identical. Yeah. Well, we'll send them to the lab for confirmation, Bob. But I think we just cut a year off of Cooper's lead.
1: turn return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. But now we'd like to have you here for Mr. Walter Roberts, a member of the Equitable Society for three years. Mr. Roberts, what was it that interested you in joining the Equitable Society? Uh, Mr. Keating, my wife and I were listening to this program about three years ago, and we heard about a life insurance plan
0: that appealed to us. And so I telephoned your local Equitable office, And one of your representatives came around to give us more information. He certainly knew what he was talking about.
1: I felt here was a man I'd like to do business with. Well, that's typical of Equitable Society men everywhere, all 8,000 of them. They strive to be helpful. They try to make friends and earn your confidence.
0: Well, we have complete confidence in our Equitable agent.
1: You can have. The typical Equitable Society agent has selected life insurance as a career. He has given special training. He knows the facts and the advantages of every type of equitable life insurance. And back of him, supporting him with any additional information he may need, is a staff of highly trained experts in the Equitable Home Office. This is a group of specialists, actuaries, pension and economists. No matter what your insurance problem may be, if security and peace of mind for yourself and your family is your object, Your local equitable agent will be glad to discuss your problem with you at any time and without any obligation. Consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Society representative. Or write to the Equitable Society, care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, manhunt.
2: Few people become professional criminals for any single reason. Greed may be a dominant cause in many. Insecurity in others and hatred of society in the proportion of the remaining cases. Some students of crime point to another reason seldom mentioned, the decline of religion. Study after study of religious training among criminals prior to their arrest show almost none with interest in or knowledge of any religion. One of the tenets of any form of worship is the golden rule of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Obviously, no criminal lives by that code. Mainly because, as the figures show, the great majority were never taught the basic concepts of any religion. As a citizen, you can do nothing about your neighbor's interest or lack of interest in moral ideals, except by your example. However, if you are a parent interested in preventing your child from becoming a criminal of tomorrow. Invest your time, your effort, in helping him learn the truths of religion. It's the best investment you can possibly make in his future and in your country. Tonight's FBI file continues in Bay City. Special Agents Taylor and Vernon meet after their first day of investigating the new crime.
0: Jim, you got anything? Yeah, a little, not enough. When Cooper left, he borrowed a car from a neighbor. Turned up abandoned at a resort hotel about thirty miles. Away. That's close, huh? Yeah. Uh, Dorman remembered Cooper leaving with someone in another car. Any description? No, and the Dorman couldn't give any details on the driver. Of uh, you seen the warehouse employees? Yeah. And uh, I went over the few books that didn't burn. They only confirmed the fraud. Mm. What happened to the stock, Bob? The books showed sales to fictitious companies. And in whose writing were those entries? The bookkeepers, but mm-hmm. made on instructions from Cooper. Here's her sworn statement. Right. And I also got a statement from Cooper's partner. He wasn't mm-hmm. in on any conspiracy. The exact duplicate of the other job. Yeah. You get any details on Cooper's personal life? Yeah, a few. He lived in a suburb called Glendale. In his own home? No, furnished rentals. I went through the place this afternoon. He didn't even leave an old newspaper. You talk to any of his neighbors? No, not yet. I bought a city map of Glendale, though. Mm-hmm. Let's see now. Uh, Yeah. Here. This is where he lives, so let's fan out from there.
2: Using the alias Andrew Kaiser, the fugitive had lived in the small suburb for two years. Now, Agents Taylor and Vernon set out to reconstruct that period. The first stop was the house next to the one Cooper had rented. Pardon me.
0: Do you know the Kaiser family?
2: Some information was gathered there. Other facts were learned from neighbors across the street. No doorbell was overlooked. No question seemed too unimportant to ask. Did Mr. Kaiser ever mention any hobby? Thousands of questions were asked. What subjects did the fugitive like to discuss? Did he ever talk about friends in another city? Was he interested in any sport? What did he like to eat? To drink? What habits did he have? Every answer was recorded and added to the file. Would you know if Mr. Kaiser ever belonged to any club... After covering the neighbors, Agents Taylor and Vernon visited the tradespeople in the area. The laundry, the Cooper family paper night, the corner newsstand, the milkman, everyone who saw or spoke to the fugitive. Can you remember any of his the visitors? Then came visits to Cooper's former business acquaintances. Restaurants he frequented were called on. Waiters interviewed, bartenders, hat-check girls. Each day, the two agents continued their search for facts.
0: Bob, I ran into a distant cousin of Cooper's. He told me Cooper's son is in jail. Where? He didn't know. I called Washington. They have no record of any Ray Cooper. They also check prisons. Now, there are five inmates around the country with that name, but none of them's the man we want. Well, what's he in for? Auto theft. You know, if we can find him, we might get a lead on his father. Did the cousin have any idea what other name he might be using? No. He did have a snapshot of young Cooper, though. Oh, you got the picture on you? No, I dropped it off the print shop. soon as copies are ready, let's mail one to every field office and have him check on the prison. <laughs>
2: Brilliant intuitive deductions play a part in some cases, but for the most part, the answer is plain hard work. The hundreds of prisons and jails in the country were checked. A teletype was received from the warden of a prison in a nearby state. Ray Cooper, alias Ray Wilson, was an inmate there. Agent Taylor left immediately for the prison.
0: Can I see me? Yes, Cooper. My name's Wilson. All right. That part doesn't matter. I'm a special agent of the FBI. They told me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. About what? Your father. You know where we can locate him? I might. Well, we'd like to find out. I'll bet. Will you tell us? Make me an offer. I owe this college five more years. You mean you want to trade the information on your father? What else? I can't make any deals. Then what's in it for me? If you go into your record. (laughs) I don't need any gold stars on my report card. Cooper, this is a list of visitors you've had, mail you've received or sent. My old man's too smart to write me here. Yeah, so I see. But you've corresponded frequently with a Miss Clara Brady. Who is she? She lives at the Berkshire Apartments in Springfield. Cooper, uh, do you intend to answer any questions about Miss Brady? Okay. Dale, I... You can return the prisoner to his cell. I got here as soon as I could, Jim. Come on, the Springfield Express, lease on track 11. Cooper in Springfield? No, but a friend of his son lives there, a girl named Clara Brady. She may be an intermediary for the Cooper family. What makes you think so? Well, Cooper corresponded regularly with a girl. The minute I mentioned her, he clammed up. If the family has an information drop, this is the kind of a girl they'd pick. Springfield police, told me she has a record. What kind? Three arrests for a suspicion of working with a stolen car in. Say, uh, wasn't Ray Cooper arrested for car theft? Yeah, that's right. That's the way they might have met. It doesn't sound like the type who will pour out her heart to us. No, probably not. Well, then what? Well, if she won't talk, Bob, let's do a job like we did on Cooper. We'll go out and dig every fact about her that's available. Bob, I just saw Miss Brady. She wouldn't admit knowing Ray Cooper. I've just gone through the local newspaper files. Oh, did you find anything? A few clippings and pictures of her at different nightclubs. Well, what were the clippings about? Her three arrests and one told about an auto accident she had on Route 3. Route 3, huh? That's the road between here and Bay City. Maybe Cooper was with her. Let's check that accident report. Jim, the Brady girl was alone when she had the accident. But look what I found on the traffic records. Those all traffic tickets? And all hers. The last three are for overtime parking in front of 61 Broadway. That'd be way downtown. And downtown here is the warehouse district. We'd better find out about that address. Bob, 61 Broadway's a warehouse. Who's? The White Company. Let me get a look at that phone book. W, 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 H. Here it is, The White Company. Wholesale Groceries. Yeah, 61. No trucks at the loading platform. All the windows are closed. It's only 3.15. Everybody couldn't have gone home. Hey, Bud. You call me? Yeah. We're special agents, the FBI. Here are my credentials. Well, what do you want me for? Nothing. Who's that funeral rate for? The White Company. The warehouse looks close. closed. It can't be. Mr. Crawford called for this a little while ago. Mr. Crawford? He's their boss. Uh uh-huh. Um, do you mind if we go in with you? No. All right. Oh, go ahead. Thanks.
1: Mm -hmm. I got it, Jim. Okay. Mr. Crawford's office is over there.
0: You seem to know this place pretty well. I was here about a month ago. Mr. Crawford got some flowers when he bought the place. It was so jammed then you could hardly get through. Huh? He's in here. Well, son, I see you finally got here. Yes, Mr. Crawford. Did it take three of you to deliver one wreath? No, we came to see about something else. We can wait till you are through with him. All right. They tell them to charge the wreath, and uh, yeah, this is for you.
2: Thank you, Mr. Crawford.
0: Now, gentlemen, what can I do for you? You can get your hat and come with us. What? We're special agents of the FBI, Cooper. This is a warrant for your arrest. Ooh.
2: Andrew Cooper was sentenced to a term of imprisonment in a federal penitentiary for violation of the federal bankruptcy statute. And so another criminal career was closed by the relentless work of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As you have heard, this file remained open more than two years. During that time, Andrew Cooper continued his illegal activities in the belief he had at last found a way to commit crimes and escape unpunished. That day will never come. In some cases, apprehending a fugitive is an even longer job. But no matter how many years it takes, no matter how much manpower must be expended, no FBI file is ever closed until the crime is solved.
1: Just one last word about a very important man in your community. He is the man who can help you most if your problem is how to provide for future security and peace of mind for yourself and your family. He is your local Equitable Society representative. There are 8,000 of these trained life insurance specialists ready to serve you and without any obligation to you no matter where you live. Simply consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Society representative.
2: Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, Armed Robbery. Its title, Hot Ice.
1: The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Harry Carey Jr., Sam Edwards, Herb Ellis, Florence Lake, Henry Morgan, and Gil Stratton Jr. This Is Your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. And inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time, when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Hot Ice on This Is Your FBI. (laughs) Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.